Peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm your host, Anefriesian. So today's episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be a monologue as opposed to me having a guest on and hosting a conversation. I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts because it's just going to be about my vision for 31st. And there needs to be someone who sets the vision for a company. Um, there, as much of as much as I am a team player and I'm collaborative, at the end of the day, I do believe that there has to be one person that's going to make a decision, yes or no. Um, there's going to have to be one person that sets the vision for a company. So I'm going to share what my vision is for 31st, given that I'm that person for uh, this company and get into like why that's important and how it's going to build out our company down the line. And as an interesting aside, I saw some uh, current events that have been going on, in particular looking at the the controversy around the Little Mermaid and the fact the new Little Mermaid that's coming out. There are some people that are upset that the Little Mermaid it's going to be black and it's bothered some folks. And I just find that really, really odd. And it's going to circle back to this vision thing, but I find it odd given that the little mermaid is a fictional character. We're not talking about, you know, a historical person, uh, say maybe like, uh, Jesus and painting Jesus, to be a different complexion than uh, what he was or the people who were from that region. Or we're not talking about um, even John F. Kennedy, right? Or anyone from history. That's just a name that flashed across my mind. And making him be someone else. We're talking about a fictional character. Uh, and people are upset that Ariel, Ariel, however you say the character's name, is uh, being being portrayed as a black little girl. And so the reason why I find that important or relevant, because these people who are upset, they're all throughout our society as you interact with them every day. And from a professional standpoint, these people are quietly your team members at work. Some of them might be recruiters, hiring managers. It might be an HR, people who are determining your career trajectory and your economic welfare are having a huge impact on it. And so that's really important to, to think about and kind of plays into um, company cultures and how um, people of color, uh, women, um, the LGBTQ community, how they're impacted as they kind of move through uh, society and try and navigate their careers. So anyway, taking a step back to vision, and let's first talk about why having a vision is even important to an entrepreneur or to a company. The first question that any entrepreneur needs to answer 
is are you creating a job for yourself or are you creating a company? And here's, here's what I mean by this. Often use the example of someone who's a great baker. I remember my grandmother was an amazing baker. And everyone used to always say, oh, my gosh, you should start your own bakery. You should start your own bakery. And so the question becomes, you're a great baker. And you decide to make this entrepreneurial leap and you're going to open a bakery. The question that becomes really important, first and foremost, is. Are you just trying to create a job for yourself or are you trying to build a company? So. The bakery is open now six months to further illustrate my point. And the initial excitement has kind of gone away. Now, where do you want to spend your time? Do you want to spend your time making cakes and pies and cookies? Or do you want to spend your time handling the books and the finances and the hiring and the ordering, uh, working with the lawyers? All the things are required to run the company, figuring out how can you open up a second, third location? What job excites you in this? And this is this is um, an obstacle a lot of entrepreneurs run into because they're good at something a la baking or fashion design um, or uh, beat making. Whatever it may be, whatever your skill may be, you're like, oh, I'm going to start my own fill-in-the-blank company. Why are you starting it? What is your vision for it? And so, like, that's a, that's an important question to to answer. And more importantly, if you're looking at building a company, and you're going to need people to come and work with and for you. You got to give them a vision to rally around and behind and believe in. And trust me, that is very important. People, if they don't have a vision, if they don't understand where you're going, and worse, if you don't know where you're going, you can't lead people effectively and people are going to lose motivation and they won't be willing or able to follow you. Most the most important thing that a founder needs to offer or a senior leader in any organization is not the micromanaging of the team. It's what is the true north for the organization. I use the metaphor all the time of figuring out where you're going to go drill um, for oil. And even though I've never drilled for oil in my life, um, I understand what that metaphor means. Or for those of you who might be into fishing, understanding where it is that you need to go to have the best shot at catching fish. Like that is your job. You're supposed to have that vision. You're supposed to look at all the information out there in the marketplace and say, for my company with my objectives and my product, this is the best place and these are the best consumers or shoppers to go after. And this is the best strategy to deploy 
to go and get these shoppers. That is your job to figure that out. It's not your job to micromanage. Do they use words like potato, potato, tomato, tomato? It's to figure out these big, strategic, true north visionary question. Uh, question. And when you when you figure out those and you get those answers, which is hard and it's complicated work, and it requires being right more than you're wrong. When you paint that vision, you give people something to believe in, you give them something to rally behind, and they understand what they're working towards. It takes managing spreadsheets and paying invoices, and it gives it a much bigger purpose, if that makes sense. So it's very important to have a vision for your business. Now, what is the vision for 31st? It's something that has set with me for a long time, and I'm quite clear, I am not creating a job for myself. I am creating a company. And the hopes is, in the long run, it'll be a vertically integrated company that has, that creates manufacturing jobs, that uh, creates retail jobs, brick and mortar retail jobs, that creates sales jobs and marketing jobs and creative jobs, all type of work for different people with different backgrounds. Um, that'll be right here, created in California and in the United States um, so that people can make a great wage and really enjoy the work that they do and that they could benefit from that work, not only in their salary, but also in, in equity. And then having a positive impact on the world. So I'm quite clear that there's this large, scalable company that I'm dedicating all my time, energy, and resources to bringing to life. And specifically, beyond it just being a big company, what we're trying to do, what our, what our vision statement is, is we're trying to spread joy in the world by creating a company rooted in equity and inclusion that represents the cultural tapestry of California by creating dope clothes, dope experiences, and giving a percentage of each sale to fight food insecurity. So first, our why. We want to spread joy. I mean, that's the goal. Other people might be motivated by other things, but for me, life is hard enough. There's a lot of people out there spread misery in the comment section, all over the internet. There's a lot of divisiveness. What I want to focus on is spreading joy. And I don't want to spread joy in this like Pollyanna way or what I might perceive as Pollyanna. For me, it's a very specific way which I want to spread joy. And that's by creating a company that's rooted in equity and inclusion. It's really hard to be happy, well, depending on what side I guess you're on, 
someone who comes from a background of a excluded population, it's really hard to be happy when you're excluded. When you don't feel like the the culture that you're subjecting yourself to doesn't want you to be a part of it. You're feeling excluded from it. So I want it to be inclusive. And that inclusiveness, I don't want it to be tokenized. It needs to be equity. People need to be treated fairly across the board, whether it's based on your gender identity, your racial or ethnic identity, sexual orientation, uh, whatever it may be. Anywhere that you fall on intersectionality map, if you're a human, you're going to be treated with fairness and equity. So that's how I want to spread joy. By building this company that's rooted in, in equity and inclusiveness. And then the manifestation of what we want to produce is really dope clothes and really dope experiences. Right. We want people to be able to wear clothes that feel good on them, that look good on them, that. When they put on 31st apparel. It's the favorite thing they put on that week. And when we throw an event that folks are invited to, it's the best event they went through that month, if not that year. And then in addition to that, we want to make sure in every single sale that we make that we are giving 5% or a percentage of ourselves. And for us, we set it at 5% to donate to charity, to help fight food insecurity. And again, this is my vision. People who support this, we invite you to work with us, to buy our products, to um, tell your friends about us when whatever way you want to support and can support, we, we welcome that. And if you are against any of this, so be it. We wish you well, no hard feelings. But this is the vision for 31st. And the piece around food insecurity, where that comes from and why that's important to me as a person who's setting a vision for this company is I know firsthand what it's like to grow up food insecure. Not only was I food insecure, it was pervasive in my childhood, just around me. Not, it was in my home, the home next door to me, to the left, to the right, the whole neighborhood. It was very common um, to see people who were food insecure. And it set a particular, um, it, it made a mark in kind of how I saw the world. And I got to see people get mis redirected or misdirected in their life long before they get to the age of accountability because they were food insecure. You could do the research yourself. You can look at all the adverse effects that it has on emotional behavior development, uh, how it creates attachment disorders, how it impacts your cognitive abilities and your, your, your academic development. I mean, food insecurity for kids is a really, really bad thing. Um, but from an anecdotal standpoint, there was a, there are so many stories. There's one story that really sticks out in my head. It was there was a kid who moved to my neighborhood and 
they've since torn down the housing projects in my neighborhood, you know, as part of the stream of gentrification. But there used to be housing projects that were right in the middle of my neighborhood. And uh, my elementary school was across the street from there. And there was there was more demand. There are more people who wanted or needed um, housing assistance than there were apartments in the projects. So at one point, they put a homeless shelter inside of the projects. So not only was it a poor neighborhood, and then my part of the neighborhood was the poorest part. That's where the housing projects were. Then within the projects, they created some more some more buildings for people who were even poorer than that. And this kid who moved into the neighborhood, he happened to, he and his mom got put in the homeless shelter. So fast forward to not belabor this story. You know, this kid was not particularly great at any of the things that you could hang your hat on, you know, as a fourth, fifth, sixth grader. He wasn't a great athlete. He wasn't a great student. He wasn't necessarily a tough kid. That which was in my neighborhood, that was a way in which you can get some social status, right? Being really good at fighting, uh, having a little schoolyard reputation. He didn't have that going for him either. So one day this kid comes to school and he's just nice head to toe. New shoes. I remember some Nike Cortezes. They were clean too. Uh, some nice Jeans, shirt, he was just like looking good. I don't know if you guys remember uh, dating myself a little bit, but like Turkish ropes, those of you, I don't know if they're big coast to coast. I know they're really big in California, in particular in LA. I remember he had a Turkish rope bracelet. And I instantly knew what had happened with this kid. He had joined a gang, he had got jumped in, and he had started selling drugs. And the motivation for him to do that was food insecurity. And I don't even know what happened to the kid. Kind of just disappeared. I remember him going off to juvenile hall at some point when we were in junior high school. Just kind of fell off and I don't, you know, lost lost touch with him. But I got to see that story up close and personal. And when I tell you, I know of dozens of anecdotes that are very similar, where food insecurity redirected people's lives, I'm not exaggerating. And so that's why it's really important because you can extrapolate that out and look at all the young people who are out there. I saw some research that said here in Alameda County, where I live here in the Bay Area, one in four kids are food insecure. One in four kids are food insecure in Alameda County. That means Hunger and concern about where your next meal is coming from is pervasive because that means every day you don't get the caloric intake that you need, or it's not guaranteed that you're going to get the caloric intake that you need. And so to me, that's really important, right? Building a company that addresses that issue to allow for children to have an opportunity to experience joy in this life and to not have that stolen from them long before they're at the age to be held accountable 
for their circumstances. You can't say that an eight, nine, ten year old needs to pull themselves up by their bootstrap. They're not at the age of accountability. And we want to make sure as we grow, as we enjoy life, as we wear nice clothes, as we go and do nice things, we want to make sure that we do give back, though, and try and help these young children experience some joy and not have um, stress about where their next meal is coming from be as pervasive in their life. So as we're building this company, in particular 31st, uh, from the ground up with equity and inclusion at its core, it's going to be really incumbent upon me to bring on team members and to hire other executives that support this vision. I can tell you right now, having worked at multiple companies in multiple industries, if a company's culture or its organization is lacking in anything, it's because it's not a priority for senior leadership. So if there are not enough women in senior leadership, that's because the chief executives or the owners don't care about that is an issue. If there are not enough black people, if there are not enough Latino people, if there's not enough Asia Pacific Islanders, there's not enough LGBTQ, whatever it is that's lacking in a company, if it's not there, it's because it's not a priority of senior leadership. If the company's not giving back to charitable, charitable causes, it's not a mystery. I often hear people talk about like, well, we just don't, we want to solve this problem. We just don't know how to BS. It's not rocket science. If you, if you want to hire people from diverse backgrounds, you can't. There's abundance of all of them, especially in California. But nationwide, there's an abundance of all of them. If you want to give to a cause, you want to support a cause, there is no silver bullet. If I do this one thing, it's going to fix all the problems of the world. The world is a pretty complicated place. So it's not about having a silver bullet. It's about getting started and doing something to push the ball forward, about making it 1% better. You know, that's how I think about my personal goals. That's also how I think about my organizational goals. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to be 1% better than we were yesterday. And so if a company's not investing in a particular cause or if it's not addressing a particular issue, say equity and inclusion, it's because it's not a priority of the company, point blank. People will tell you what they believe in, but if you put them on mute and you watch their actions, that's when they'll show you who they really are. Words can deceive, actions will not. Actions will show you what people prioritize, point blank. And there's actually another current event. You know, I think it was yesterday. I know it was this week, but I think it was yesterday. The founder, CEO of Patagonia, just made this huge announcement. Forget the exact structuring of it, but the net impact is he's giving away, he's a billionaire. Patagonia is a massive company. He's giving away his equity stake, his ownership in the company 
to the world. Now, the legalese of it, you know, as you get into like the exact wording, it's going to be really the all the profits from it are going to go to causes and research that fights climate change. So instead of him sitting on his billions of dollars and having those billions of dollars just gain interest and make him and a few people in his family go from disgustingly rich to even more disgustingly rich, he's giving all that away so that that money and those resources can impact climate change and go towards sustainability. The reason why that's happening is because that fits with his vision and his values. So whenever you hear a company say that they can't do something or that or that they want to do, they want to address something, but they haven't addressed it. If they haven't, it's because they actually don't want to. It starts at the top. And the people who are in the middle, they are there executing upon the priorities of the senior executives. Because if they weren't executing on their priorities, then they would be ushered out and other people would be put in place. So if you think about 31st and what we're building from the ground up, it's about equity, it's about inclusion, it's about spreading joy. So, as you think about your company, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, if you are a division lead within a company and you're thinking about the culture you want to set, you got to have a vision for it. Because that vision then is going to inform the decisions you make and the decisions you don't make. It's also going to inform who's attracted to your vision. It's also going to inspire people to go above and beyond because they're drawn to a greater cause. They're going to have something where it's Friday afternoon and I'm like, ah, oh, do I put this off? I can just deal with this on Monday? Or I can just go ahead and knock it out right now so that it's done. And when I come in on Monday, I'm on to the next thing. There's all this talk around silent quitting and people doing just enough to keep from getting fired. I can tell you right now, all those people who have silent quit is because they are not attracted to the vision of their company. So as an entrepreneur, you need to figure out what is your vision because it's going to help you specifically steer the ship, but it's also going to bring to you, it's going to attract to you what you need to be able to be successful, both in people and in resources. The universe can't give you what you want if you don't even know what it is. So with that said, we've got a new episode coming out. Next week, that's already been recorded. It's an amazing episode, and uh, I can't wait to get that one out to you. But in the meantime, I want you to remember one thing. It's not about being perfect. It's about being better than you were yesterday. Peace.